You're listening to an encore presentation of The Money Hour with Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420 and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075 are licensed loan originators with Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, NMLS 134871. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events and how they affect your economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. But we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's one 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And our lineup for today's show, we have D. Gupa of D. Coaching, letting go of anger or frustration. Also in studio, we have Dan Putnam of Rain City Supercars. Let's talk cars, money, and keeping it real. Our last guest in studio today is Jake Haynes of Action Tax Services, LLC. Too many self-employed individuals and small business owners are overpaying taxes. Great information on today's show. And as always, we have amazing guests. For more information on the topic discussed today, please call the show at one 855 Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And let's start out today's show just as we do each week with a little bit of money chat. Money. Money. All righty, Keelan. What are you bringing to money chat today? Well, it's like a holiday today because you look at the ground and we don't have any snow. Yes. I know. I'm kind of happy and kind of sad. I know. When it first comes down, I'm like super excited about it. But I have a new perspective now being a parent. Yeah. And then the holiday, and then the uh, which school is closed. And I've talked to a bunch of other parents, and it's funny. It's like a click that everybody's like mad about secretly. They're like, mm-hmm. I can't wait for our kids to go back to school. <laughs> and then just because we want normality, like I love my yeah. daughter, but like we have things to do in this world, yeah, you know. Exactly. And it really puts a huge burden. And I, I've learned a pretty good lesson between that. And then she catches the flu, and then it oh. snows. So I've been through like this three week of Does crazy. That mean she didn't get to go outside and build a snowman. Oh no, we built a monstrosity of a snowman yeah i'm not going to hold her in like that but um it's really interesting to see the kind of dichotomy of seattle and the Uh snow and how that really just literally shuts the city down like everybody panics and freaks out and uh, it was so cold and i think they underestimated how much snow we were going to get yeah and uh but the snow is gone life resumes and i've already talked to a couple parents and literally the first thing coming out of their mouth is celebrating the fact that life goes back to normal kids go back to school we can go back to work and not have the extras. So shout out to all the parents out there and for kind of putting up with this. Well, I had a three for most, most of them had a two for with the holiday in the yeah, snow. Yeah. Uh, but life is resuming normal as usual and uh, good on everybody and parents for being good parents and taking care of your little ones. I second that. I love that. Yeah, we're uh, elevations 500 feet up in Newcastle and I tell you, it's crazy. It was definitely a sheet of ice. And the scary thing is, is the kids are all out there 
sledding down those uh, <laughs> the ice when we've got people trying to drive to get out of the cul-de-sac. So it was oh, a, and it's good. pretty steep in there. You've been over to my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, well, I thought I'd bring in today Money Chat to talk. Uh, we're heading into a, or we are in a new de- decade. So today I thought I'd share back to the 70s with interest rates to give a little perspective of what's gone on with the last decade and, you know, kind of the benefit of where we're at today. So if we go back to the 70s, the lowest rate was in 1972 at 7.23%. Now, the highest rate was 1979 at 12.90%. <laughs> you're going to say ouch even more, as you know, as I get in these decades. So yeah, rates yeah. rose during the great inflation. That's what happened, it happened in the 70s. Now, if we move to the 80s, the lowest rate in 1987 was 9.03, and the highest interest rate in 1981 at 18.63%. People complain now. Could you imagine buying a home at eighteen percent interest mm. rate? That's it's uh, just it's so oh crazy. Goodness. So rates fell <laughs> after the historical peak in nineteen eighty one, and then we go to the nineties. The lowest rate was nineteen in nineteen ninety eight at six point four nine percent. The highest rate was nineteen ninety at ten point six seven. So the rates held relatively flat with a stable economy. Then we go into the 2000, uh, lowest rate was in 2009 at 4.71, the highest rate in 2000 at 8.64%. So rates fell to historical lows, obviously, because of the financial meltdown. So going into 2010s, the lowest rate was in 2012 at 3.31%, and the highest rate was in 2010 at 5.21%. Rates continued to decrease and held at their historical lows. So if we look at the lowest historic, the historical low interest rate was 2012 at 3.31 percent, the highest 1981 at 8.6, 18.63. So the average rate over the last 10 years was 4.69 percent. So it's just really interesting as we look at the last decade, historical rates was the norm. So it'll be interesting when we get into a new decade, whether that's this decade or the next decade, where our norm goes back to a historical norm, which is not these low interest rates that we see. Now, the lowest the rates have been in the last few years was in 2009, was 2019 at the lowest was 3.625. The average rate today, not quoting interest rates, there's a lot of different factors that have to do with rates, uh, but the average is 3.81%. So again, the lowest in the last few years is 3.625. We're at an average of 3.81. So call to action, uh, you know, we've said this a lot over the last decade, but it's just so true that, you know, with the cost of money so low, it's a great time to get out there. Uh, Take a look at your options for refinancing. If you've got a percent or higher than what the average rate uh, that I'm talking about today, if you're looking at uh, being a first-time homebuyer, getting out of rent. What about purchasing that that second home or that property, vacation property, you can spend time with your family or investment. We're going to actually talking about uh, investment in cars today yeah. with our second guest, Keelan's <laughs> really excited about that. Um, but always real estate's a great investment as well. And that's your Money Chat for the day. Coming up next on the Money Hour, let's go um, and talk about anger or frustration. D Goop of D Coaching right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Every 19 minutes, another baby is born addicted to drugs due to a dramatic increase in opioid use. 
Referrals to CPS are increasing, as are mental health issues in children. And teen suicide is now at a 30-year high. And for thousands of children and families, things are getting worse. Childhood trauma and adversity are a national epidemic that impact all of us financially and morally, directly and indirectly. They're the root cause of the most urgent and costly problems that plague our communities, proven to increase poor school performance, incarceration, diabetes, suicide, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. That's five of the top ten leading causes of death. Why aren't we doing more about it? Fortunately, Child Haven is. Child Haven is a 110-year-old organization that's preventing childhood trauma and adversity and helping heal children and families when it does occur. How are we doing this? Through a wraparound continuum of care tied together by relational health, the best predictor of lifelong well-being. But Child Haven can't do it alone. We must infuse relational health everywhere children live, learn, and play. If you're ready to address the root causes instead of applying Band-Aid fixes, we invite you to join us on this crusade. Visit childhaven.org or call 206-957-4806. That's childhaven.org. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Money Hour with Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert. It's a great day to talk about money. That's what the show is all about, how to make money, save money, so you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with our guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, coming back, once again, we have Dee Gupa of Dee Coaching, letting go of anger and frustration. Dee, welcome back into studio. Thank you, Tina. And a little bit about Dee. Dee is a part-time coach and full-time rental property business owner who has done extensive study on emotional growth. Her perspective is that you are where you are, where you choose to be in your life. Your financial status, the quality of life that you live, and your relationships with friends, family, and significant other, everything is either where you want it to be or where you believe your belief levels is where you can be. The stage of personal growth you are at in each area of your life determines where that you are at in that area. You cannot make more money than you believe that you can make. You cannot have a better relationship than you believe yourself capable of having. And your belief in your own worthiness in each area of your life sets the tone for where you are. D helps break down those ceilings. D, always exciting to have you come in. Always have a really great and special topic to talk about. And uh, thanks again for being here. Thank you, Tina. I'm excited to be here. So, D, anger or frustration? I know they're kind of feels like they accompany each other. It's, I don't know what comes first. Are you angry, frustrated, frustrated, anger? What's the difference between <laughs> anger and frustration? <laughs> you know? Well, I would say anger is uh, a little bit of a stronger feeling, and anger is a feeling uh, that is more outward, that somebody else or some other situation was mm. not up to what we wanted to be, or it, some, it, it was wrong for us, and it took away from something that we had had. So it's it's an intense dislike for an external situation or a person. And frustration is when we are trying to do 
something and we feel that we have not, we have let ourselves down in some way or we are, so it's more inward directed. So, Dean, knowing that this feeling does not feel well, why do people feel anger and frustration? Why can't they just stop it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be so simple, right? <laughs> we feel these feelings when we're trying to live a certain standard of life and we're not able to maintain that standard mm. because there is something around us in our environment, um, people or person or situation that is... Um, stopping us from achieving that or at least creating a little bit of a block for that. So I know often when somebody makes me angry, then I get frustrated and then you keep replaying it in your mind, right? And then you're getting more frustrated. Why do we kind of replay these scenarios in our in our minds and kind of let them live out and reside within us? Um, We do this because we don't know how to handle these situations. We're constantly replaying them in our minds, trying to convince ourselves that we are right and the other person is wrong. And it usually doesn't help because we know, our subconscious knows, our soul knows that that's not the case. Our soul knows that um, we are in control, but we're trying to make the other person responsible and we're giving them the control and that makes us feel sad and we're just constantly trying to resolve that situation. So even though the mind is pretending to resolve that situation by thinking about it over and over and over again, and sometimes working ourselves up into a frenzy, um, our souls see through that trick and we can hold on to this anger for like months, days, even lifetimes. Sometimes people will hold on to this anger. Um, The reason for that is because we feel that our self-worth is attacked. And if our self-worth is attacked, that person did not respect me. Therefore, I do not deserve respect. Therefore, I do not deserve love. And at the bottom of everything that we do, our basic basic fear is that we are not lovable and we're not going to be loved. Yeah, when it comes with frustration, a lot of the frustration coming from within is the frustration you just have in yourself because isn't a lot of that coming from you know, not having patience in the process or coming right. from um, the, just like you said, the not good enough and the insecurity of where you might be in your space. Is that correct? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So Dee, <laughs> let's start with what would be the first step that you would coach someone if they're stuck in this space and dealing with these emotions on a regular basis? The very first step I would say is to remove yourself from the situation is if possible, just go to the bathroom or something and start observing, allow yourself to feel those feelings and then start observing. This is powerful beyond belief. Like this is not just something, this is extremely powerful. When you um, start seeing your anger and dissociating yourself with the anger and saying, I see you anger, I acknowledge you, I, I respect that you're there and I'm going to allow you to feel it. And then observe it and say, I get that you are there and you exist, but I'm not you. So as soon as you start creating that dissociation, you've, you've already moved into a very high, much higher consciousness. So it's, you've separated your soul from your emotions and and your mind and you've already achieved like you're going to get through that much much faster and we've talked before with uh conversations with you uh uh, dean and and i'm a big believer in this that you know just accept all of the feelings that we have good and bad because there's going to be a balance of both of them and so i love what you said is you know just Take some time away, whether it's an inner conversation you're having with yourself or an exterior because of a conflict that's having with some somebody else. 
uh, just step away, take a breath, accept that it's there, right. respect that there's a reason that it's there, and Absolutely. then you get to decide how you're going to react to that. Respond. Right, right. how you're going <laughs> to respond to that, yes. Right. So, Dee, let's talk about the next thing to do after you let the emotion pass for just a moment. The once the the uh, weight of the emotion, once the intensity of the emotion has gone, then you can start working on resolving it. And one of the steps that we do often miss is this step of resolving it. We feel the anger and we may le- uh, let ourselves get through it and get past it. But unless we don't unless we resolve it, we're not going to be able to handle the situation again the next time and it's still going to bother us so we don't we do want to set standards for our lives and we don't want people to treat us less than we have a brand to take care of right and if yeah. somebody is taking advantage of us or if somebody is treating us less than or if somebody is saying something to us that brings down our brand we don't want to accept that at the same time we don't want to resp- react emotionally so what we want to do is figure out how to handle the situation and to do that it's important to set aside a time and set expectations it may not be a five minute fix it may take a lifetime to fix mm-hmm. something like i'm never it's a work gonna, in progress right i'm yeah. never going to feel anything negative again in my life mm-hmm. that's going to take your entire life to work through um, so if you set um, aside time for it, it may be five minutes, like it may be 30 minutes a week. It may be four hour session that you want, like however you want to do it. Set aside time for it and ask yourself constantly, how do I resolve this? How do I resolve this? How do I resolve this? And work towards finding the resolution from a calm place. And you will be able to handle that same exact situation much better later on. And you'll just feel much better about yourself. Yeah. And isn't it true? Adi, I'm just like totally cutting off. Uh, Keelan from jumping in the conversation no, no, no. here, but isn't it true to, through part of that process of resolving it is pay, pay attention to what you're, how you're feeling, what your right. body's telling you, and you can tell whether that resolve is getting you to a good place Absolutely. or if it's a conflict yes. that you're having and trying yes. to not be authentic with that resolve, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If, you, if the resolution is, I'm never going to talk to this person because this person is a horrible person or whatever, yeah. then you are going to feel bad because you know that that's not true. And yes. even if the person did something that's not good you can handle it in a much better way usually yeah and it may be the best the best and right thing to do but right. you're not ready to go that far in right. the right direction so you have to maintain maintain a level of integrity with that space as well right. absolutely yeah I love that. It's like your uh, your brain's trying to compartmentalize it, and mm. but we have the control of our dialogue, and that's really what you're talking about is controlling right. your dialogue. And naturally, we want to come up with a story on our brain. How does this fit with my identity? Right. And what, you can control that dialogue and how you compartmentalize that. And to set some time aside is so smart where you can actually think through it and allow yourself to let it go because there's no point in holding on to it. Right. And resolve it. Resolve it, right? Because <laughs> right. it's not doing you any service right. in your future. It's behind you. So now it's And then time. remember how you resolve it next time because right. once you've figured out how right. to resolve it with yourself now that's a proven pattern that you can continue right. to use right because yeah. now you have created you've prepared for the next situation otherwise mm-hmm. you're just going to repeat the next situation yeah yeah just compound so Dee, we talked about anger and the the, um, the differences between anger and frustration let's talk about some of the similarities 
they both happen because we're not living the life up to our own standards and because we do not feel in control of the situation, which is where this comes in, that we need to set aside time to figure out how to resolve it. And um, because, yeah, we don't know how to handle it again if it happens. So I am a very big believer in examples. So I'm going to just give a very brief example. Okay. There was uh, somebody who was a guest in my house. Um, he was an Airbnb guest of mine. And uh, I brought these lots of big packets of snacks and I'd kept them in the kitchen. And he had started taking them a little bit. And I was going on a road trip without, ask, without like, asking me. And he would tell me later on. So then I was going on a road trip. And I put a lot of those snacks in my car because I was going to have them in the car. Mm-hmm. And I left one unopened bag in the kitchen. And this guy asked me, can I have, those, can I have snacks? And I said, oh, no, I've put, most, I've put them in the car and I'm going on a road trip. He said, no, um, I see that one there. And he went there. He took it. And he just took it like I didn't. And I was just so upset. I was so upset. I could not sleep at night. I, for some reason. Don't take snacks yeah. from Dee's house. Yeah. It yeah. made That's me so mad for some reason. I was like, why are you doing this? And it was not about him at all. This is yeah. what I realized later on. Mm-hmm. It was because I completely felt out of control in the situation and I did not feel respected. So... Um, what I did the next day is, I, again, I set up this time for myself. Like, how do I handle the situation? This, this was the next morning. I was pacing up and down in my living room for two mm-hmm. hours, figuring out how do I handle the situation? How do I handle the situation? Um, I don't know. It, it, you the, can see Dee in studio. Her face yeah, is turning a little bit red that, right now. She's getting, <laughs> yeah, she's getting red as you see her. <laughs> and it was a very, like, I don't know. Uh, how, would you have, how would you handle that situation? Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, so um, the simple answer, the answer that I came up with eventually was simply say no. Mm. Because I came up with an excuse and instead of coming up with an excuse, I should have just simply said no. Yeah. Yeah. If I was not comfortable with it and if I was comfortable with it, that's different. But I was not in that situation and I should have just simply said no. And. I, d- I would not have come to that conclusion if I hadn't spent those two hours literally intensely thinking about how yeah. do I handle And now I'm comfortable because yes. now I know that if anything like that happens, I can say yes or no. And it, it sounds very obvious in hindsight, uh-huh. right? But at that time, it wasn't obvious to yeah. me. <laughs> and, and that's a really good you know example. And to, to each of us, our boundaries are going to be different. And right. so you really need to respect your boundaries and what those are. And you have to be able to communicate your boundaries right. in the best respect respectful way because somebody else is having another feeling on the other side. So you've right. got to kind of play with your uh, your outcome and see if it's working for you. So I think that goes right into my next uh, question, D, because majority of all of these feelings, uh, the negative feelings that we have, it is all attached to to ourself, right. correct? Absolutely, yes. Um, it is. It all comes down to self-worth. It all mm-hmm. comes down to this feeling of unlovability. And um, if we are separate from other people and other people don't love us, then we will not survive because human beings cannot survive alone. Yeah. And so this is all down to the survival instinct. And uh, um, we human beings are a meaning-making machine and we're constantly judging good or bad, negative or positive. It doesn't matter. We're constantly judging and we will not judge a tree if we see a tree outside there because it doesn't matter to us. It can be tall or short or whatever, but we will judge other human beings. And yeah. that's because it uh, we are directly affected by that. 
So, D, uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time here, but um, before we do, I want to make sure that our listeners can get a hold of you. So, if for anybody that's looking uh, to get in contact with D and uh, to get some coaching, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Um, they can contact me on the phone number 425-894-2308 or go to d.coach. That's D-E-E dot coach. Wonderful, Dee. Thanks again for coming in. It's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Thank you so much, Tina. Coming up next on the Money Hour, let's talk cars, money, and keeping it real. Dan Putnam of Rain City Supercars right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you a tech professional who wants to get your voice heard in meetings and events? Are you tired of being invisible or of people talking over you? Do you believe you have the talent to make more impact at work but don't know how or where to begin? Are you living on autopilot not knowing where your time has gone? Or do you want to make the best use of your time on this planet? To have a powerful voice in this world, you need to build up your communication skills and courage step by step. To live your life in a powerful way, you need to have crystal clear goals and work through problems along the way until you achieve those goals. D. Gupta of D. Coaching is an expert at unleashing your personal power and will coach you through a simple and easy to follow process that will build up your skills and courage. D. is passionate about firing people up to follow their dreams by walking them through her effective proprietary process of goal setting and follow through. This is D. from D. Coaching. To learn more about me, visit my website at speakpowerfullycoaching.com and follow the links to connect with me on social media. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Money Hour with Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are local mortgage experts. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. If you'd like to connect with the guests that we have on the show today, please call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 411 or online at themoneyyard.com in studio right now. First time guest, we have Dan Putnam of Rain City Supercars. And we're going to talk about cars, money, and just keeping it real. Dan, thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Thank you for having me on the show today. And a little bit about Dan. Uh, Dan and his co-host, Nicholas, who couldn't join us today in studio, maybe next time uh, you come in, he can come, uh, run a podcast highlighting the people intertwined in the very unique PNW car culture around the world. His show highlights the one degree of separation everyone has in the car world and how small the world really is. His show features guests ranging from former Seahawk Cliff Averill, by the way, he was my next door neighbor, to the World Authority on All Things Wine, Madeline Puckett, and everyone in between. With over 10,000 listeners a week and most of them not being car people, they share the great stories of amazing people they have met, give tips on car ownership and road trips, and focus on keeping people real and authentic about who they really are. 
and I'm so excited about this. Like, I'm definitely, <laughs> he looks gleaning. Yeah, I'm like glowing right now. He's glowing. He's glowing. Three things I'm super passionate about, cars, money, and keeping it real. So I love, <laughs> I love this. I'm going to make sure that Angela listens into this one because yeah. I've been just prying on her for my Porsche, but then I had a kid, and we were talking about this for the show, <laughs> and the car seat doesn't fit back in the 911 so well. So anyways... Um, Dan, talk to us a little bit about, I'm, I'm really curious about this, failures that you commonly see in the exotic car world, because they come in all types and flavors and sizes and all kinds uh, of yes. things. Some are better than others. Yeah, well, because this is a money show, I thought I would talk about that part of it, because yeah, it's okay. what I see the most. So I help host um, exotics at Redmond Town Center. I do Monterey cool. Car Week. I'm usually in Scottsdale this week for Car Week down there, and I meet a lot Is that of, where Nicholas is at? That's where Nicholas oh, okay. is at right now, hosting a Jet Center event down there. How fun. Yeah, a ton of fun. And Your I go, life is good. I have a ton of fun, yeah. and I have... Uh, yeah, it's just, there's nothing about it that sucks. It's great being in the car world. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, the vast majority of people I meet are amazing and have great stories. Yeah. But one of the most common things I see, especially when I get, to, especially with all the new money in town, you get guys that'll come in, they get their great right. new tech job, they got their nice big bonus check, mm-hmm. poof, all gone on that <laughs> yeah. McLaren they wanted their entire life or that Lamborghini or that Ferrari. Yeah. And yeah. I have a lot of friends that work there, but... Uh, it's funny because, you know, when you're a kid and you're dreaming of a car, you, you're willing to extend yourself so much to live paycheck to paycheck to get that car. Mm. And at that time, it's a small thing. It's like maybe it's a, you know, if, you, if you're from a small town up here, it's a used Camaro or something. The same thing happens to adults, though. They'll go in mm. and they will live paycheck to paycheck on a $200,000 a year income to have that car they want. That's crazy. And they're not impressing anybody. Yeah. Because all the guys that have been doing this for a long time are like, that was a terrible choice. <laughs> like uh, that, you know, $200,000 car you just bought is worth 100000 as soon as you roll it yeah. off the lot. And that's the sad yeah. truth. Like, yeah. I mean, you might, I mean, or you guys see guys lease for three to $4,000 a month. Yikes. And I see it all the time. This is not rare. And it's, yeah, that's uh, crazy. It's a scary repetitive pattern. So I, and that's what we talk about a lot on our show is keeping it real. And it's yeah. like, no, there's a reason I buy used supercars. Yes, I don't, yeah. I, I, and I, you know, hey, if you have the luxury to buy new, by all means, I totally mm-hmm. get ordering exactly the car you want, yeah. rolling it up to your door like a present. But it's like you have to take a real hard, authentic look at yourself and where you're at in life to do that. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So. so let's talk about the right budget for a car if you're a car enthusiasm, enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> if you're an enthusiast like me, um, I do say there is a return on investment in joy in keeping a car like that. You are going to be willing to extend yourself a little further than most people. And I won't guilt somebody for that. I mean, from the financial planner side of it, you're like Mm -hmm. gritting your teeth going, no, don't do that. That's that's a little bit out of budget for you. You shouldn't spend that much. But uh, for me, like my favorite thing to do in the world is road trips. I help, I host rallies down to Monterey and across the country. And I love that stuff. So for me, there's a little bit more of my money that goes into my cars than most people. So I would say it's sort of the same rules that apply to buying any car, then maybe at another 5%, another 10%. Okay. Um, I don't I don't want to play anybody's banker, but uh-huh. I also don't want to come down too hard on somebody who spent a little more than probably their financial planner thinks they should. Yeah. Because if you are not a car person and not an enthusiast, you're not seeing that joy return on investment. Um, for me, it's like I will eat out less. I shop differently yes. because of the car I have. And so yeah. it's not that I'm overspending on the car. It's that I'm reducing my budget in other areas. That's your true passion. So right. you're putting your extra resources there where someone else's true passion is going to be somewhere else. So don't spend that kind of money on a car because yes. you're, yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. If your passion is, you know, Louis Vuitton handbags and cars, then yes. you might have a problem on a limited income. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if exactly. you're willing to cut out one of those other ones, then it's, yeah. you're in a much safer space. 
I agree with that, Dan. I mean, if you drive your car a lot, especially, I mean, if I spend, I spend a good chunk of change, and that's my just. I'm tr- I'm already selling it right now. <laughs> my justification <laughs> on it. You know, I get happy in a car that's got some performance and it puts a smile on my face every single day. And I mean, some people I've heard, uh, my fiance is in property management. There's a guy that lives at the apartments with a Lambo. Yeah. And yeah, literally, and he has a McLaren. Now the kid's balling, but he's living in an apartment driving a Lambo and a McLaren. That literally, it's so sitting in our garage crazy. right now, a white Huracana or whatever they are. Yep. Yeah, so uh, it's And not, not to judge, but being in the mortgage industry, I just don't get that. You know, yeah. being a homeowner before having, but <laughs> no judgment here. I mean, absolutely backwards, right? No matter how you cut it, it's a depreciating <laughs> asset, and it yep. just all comes down to how big of a chomp you want to make out of that. Mm. So. Um, and I know the answer to this, Dan. I had a question for you about making money on cars. I did it small time. I used to flip cars. I used oh, yeah. to like back in the day, and mm-hmm. uh, I worked at an auction for for many years. Very cool. And uh, yeah, so I got to see the dealer auctions and kind of how that works. But um, so you can make money, but it's a it's 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 a, it, you got to be smart about what you're doing. I should say. So, what is your feedback on making money on uh, on cars? The very high level, but almost always correct answer to this is no. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much never. Uh, Unless you are dealing with extremely limited market vehicles and you have the money up front, like if you have an extra $100,000 to spare right now, buy a Ferrari 360 and a manual. Do it right now and sit on it for 10 years. You'll make triple your money back. Wow. But is that really a good investment compared to property? Absolutely sure. not. Yeah. 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 Like hundred grand on a car and then getting it up to $200,000 10 years later is a very slow return investment on your money. Yes. Um, there, I mean... Most of the people that are doing it and making good money at this are doing it in volume. Yeah. That's why Park Place is down at Scottsdale right now with like a hundred cars. They're going to lose money on probably you know twenty percent of those, but if they're making yeah. money on eighty percent, makes sense. They're making a lot of money, but they're yeah. doing it in high volume, high return, and it's a risky business. I've seen a lot of people fail at it. Um, we can go into things like the bull market and um, like how to buy a collector car. It's like uh, I always tell everybody the the car you really wanted when you were a kid. The limited production model of that car will eventually come back in value. Weird yeah. things like the the Corrados and the uh, yeah. CRX SIs and mm-hmm. the Integra Type R. Like Integra Type Rs were forty new and they're seventy used now. It's crazy. But still, it's a twenty year investment to get thirty grand back. Yeah. So when we're talking mm-hmm. money, that's not that great of a deal. No. If you're a car guy who wants to have a fun car and make a little money and not go upside down, yeah, you, yeah, that's, that's the crazy not bad. thing for me is having a, th- an expensive car that you're looking for an investment, but actually being out there driving it on the road, right? You know. Exactly. I've got forty seven thousand miles on my nine eleven Turbo uh-huh. S. I bought it with twenty seven. There's yeah. no way I'm making money back on my car. <laughs> yes, and exactly. I knew that going into it. That yeah. was just that was just dumping. It's money all in. about the uh, the passion about the car. Yeah. So Dan, what cars are a safe bet for investments in fun versus investments money wise? Well, it depends if you want to collect and show or if you want to collect and drive. Okay. Um, so right now, uh, our friends at Haggerty uh, put out their bull market. I tell everybody to go to that every year. If there's one of the people that tend to get it right. It's the insurance companies because yeah. they care about your car investment more than you do 100 times over. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. if they total it, <laughs> you know, they got to adjust their rates accordingly. Uh-huh. Um, basically, any exotic car, and I mean true exotic, if you've got a... Um, want to create a very clear difference here. I, I had a Corvette Z06, not an exotic. Really yep. fun car, but it's a mass production vehicle. But if you've got an Italian with a manual transmission, it's going to go up. Pretty much safe investment across the board is any Ferrari that was vintage and popular and in low production is going to go okay, up. Yeah. Um, rare cars that everybody hated at the time always go up. Um, when I say that, I mean like the Porsche, Interesting. The Porsche 914. My brother had one of those when I was a kid, and he bought it, I think, for 1500 bucks. Oh, my God. I think he, think he sold it for 3000 
And because most of them went to rot, people tossed them away and forgot about them. Uh-huh. Now there's not a lot of them out there. And even though at the time they were like the blasphemy of Porsches, they've skyrocketed in value. Now they're 20, wow. 30,000. If you're lucky enough to have a 914.6 wide body, you're at 100 plus. That's so yeah. limited production, manual transmission, typically imported. Um, although the Viper GTS is a great example of a car that's rocketing right now. Mm-hmm. So They quit making those, right? Yep. That was the last year for them. It was last year. Oh, I feel a little goodness. out of the conversation. I don't know any of the, I mean, I know what a Porsche <laughs> is, but all the extra stuff after the Porsche. It's, it's in the same vein, though. You it's got a guy the, thing, I guess. You got the, the Jaguar, which <laughs> that's is all a I, That's all I know, but my dream is that my dream's a little Bentley. Oh. But yeah, I, like I, I, love nice. the, I love Lug- the Jag. Luxury. Uh-huh. Um, so I've modded cars my entire life, Dan, including my family. I got like I wanted a um, a fam. I got an Infiniti G thirty seven four door uh-huh. sedan. G. It's the XS all wheel drive. It's like three hundred thirty five horsepower. Yeah, it's a three seventy Z motor, and it's starving for air. So I gave it high flow cats, cold air intake, exhaust, and mm-hmm. tune. Um, which Kim, after- you sound so smart. <laughs> I told you, I'm, I'm a car, a car guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, I lowered it a little bit so I can still put my kid back in it, and it's you know to it's it'll drive forever. Um, yep. Those motors, they, they bulletproof go, motor, bulletproof. Yeah, so uh, that's fun. But after I did it, I was like, this is probably. I know it's not a good investment because it cost yep. me about seven grand to do all that. And um, and I'm not going to receive a dollar back from that. So, what is your take on on modding in general? Can you make? I mean, are there good investments with modding? Yes, um, but for the most part, no. You're exactly right. I always <laughs> tell everybody it's a great investment in your own fun in your car if you're an enthusiast. Um, but there's a running joke in the industry. If we mm-hmm. go, there's even a. Uh, a Facebook group about joke ads we find on Craigslist. Yeah. And the key word is anybody, anytime we see somebody put investment in the ad, we know that thing is worthless. <laughs> 40000 invested. I'm like, not worth a dime to the next buyer. Um, but there is, oh, I'm going to talk about the French cases where that is a good investment. Yeah. Um, future collector cars like the, uh, the C6Z06, which all 427 Corvettes go up in value eventually. It's mm-hmm. usually much later. Mm-hmm. But they are known to have bad heads. And so running oh. aftermarket heads and valve guides will alleviate that issue into the next buyer. That's a huge win because you've modified the engine. Yeah. That doesn't sound like mm-hmm. it would be a good investment, but it is. When you're modifying for reliability, the next buyer looks at it as, as an investment in their future. Um, things like wheels and tires, no, almost never. Yeah. <laughs> um, they look cool. Um, the Jeep market may be a weird fringe of that where we're seeing that go up, but for the most part, modding is no, and it is sort of a running joke. Yeah. If you've modded your car a lot, take it all off, sell it all separately, then sell your car otherwise. That's how you get your money back out of that. That cracks me yeah. up because I, I look at Craigslist 24-7, and it's funny how they list every single Not mod. Not 24-7. You've <laughs> well, got other things that you're well, doing. I do. Well, on my free time, right, I'm always looking on Craigslist, and they'll like list every one and the price they paid market for each thing and then add it to the total of what they think they should sell the car to you yeah. for. And you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. No low balls. <laughs> yeah, no low balls. Don't, if you don't like it, don't call me. It's yeah. like, well, it's still there like four months later, the same ad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Dan, I can't, uh, I can't help but just ask you, what is the very best car that you have ever owned? The best car I've ever owned, hands down, is my current car. It's the first car I've ever bought where I'm going to replace it with the exact same car. Okay. <laughs> I've never said that before in my life, uh-huh. and I've owned at least 30 cars. Right now, I own a Porsche 911 Turbo S. All um, right. And so it took me a while to get there. I've always been a Porsche fan, but um, the hype is real. I've got to say, I've driven everything under the sun. And being in the car world, you get handed to the keys of things I will never own or afford yeah. in my life, and I'm very fortunate in that way. But... It does everything. I've had it out in the snow all this week. I've got uh-huh. snow tires on it. I've taken it over the pass. I did. Uh, uh, went up to Suncadia for lunch. No problem. 
Wow. I'm, yeah, yeah and Victoria, I, our director of marketing, has got a Porsche. Yes. What kind of Porsche does she have? Uh, Cayman S. But the uh, yeah, the, between the all-wheel drive and the twin turbo, it's got all the horsepower I want. It's got room in the back. I mean, nobody's fitting in the back seats, but it does give you yeah. storage room. So you can pack for a good two-week road trip, and you're fine. Awesome. That's so cool. So, Dan, I'm curious to know, um, and I, I mean, we all buy new cars, and they offer you everything under the sun as far as, like, extras that you can get from, like, insurance plans and all kinds of stuff. Uh, are the, is a dealer ripping you off? Like, what's worth it and what's not worth it? What should you stray away from? What should you actually partake in? I mean, what's the what's the answer? Um, the short answer is typically no. They're relying on the buyer to be very lazy, um, uh, and that's how they're making their money. Uh, in fact, prepaid maintenance, if you're good about your car, is actually a really good investment. And I know that because I know a lot of technicians who hate doing prepaid maintenance because they don't get paid as much. Yeah. Uh, um, but it does save you a lot of money, and it does keep your car better for the next buyer. It will add resale value. Now, if you're leasing... Totally different story. You're getting into that car, you're driving that car, you're giving it back and saying, peace out. Yes, yeah. yeah. I highly recommend doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pay for it, drive it, take care of it, and then send it back. That's it. Makes total sense. But if you're doing the uh, the smart financial planning, as a lot of people say, is to buy it and drive it, take care of it, yeah. then yeah, that prepaid maintenance and that extended warranty might be a good idea for you if you are that type of person. But I always tell everybody the caveat here is be honest with yourself. Are you really? Because yeah. I go through a car about every two to three years, yeah. Yeah. which is a terrible investment, but a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. mine mine's every 10 years. I literally drive my Jag for 10 years, get a new one, and I I love it. Yeah, smart, yeah. much smarter investment there yeah. to do that. But uh, uh, the only other thing I would say is paint protection film in this area. That's mm. the one thing that's everybody's worth the money no matter what you drive. Uh, we have so much wet gravel on our roads yes. around here. That stuff just peppers your paint. Yeah. So. Get paint protection film. Dealer installed is almost never the way to go. There's a lot of places around here that it's installed is everything. Okay. So you're getting what you pay for there. You're going to find some high-end places. They're going to charge you like 10 grand on exotic to install that stuff. It's going to not look like it was ever there. And then yeah. you're going to get the real cheap stuff. The guys are going to be like, oh, I'll do it for 1000 bucks. You'll it'll look you're like you paid know. a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to look bucks. like you put scotch tape on the front of your car and called it a day. <laughs> I've seen that many times. Oh, so, yeah. my gosh. Awesome, Dan. Well, thank you so much. It was really great. I have to say this is the first time that we've had a guest come in and talk about cars, and I <laughs> loved it. Well, I think Keelan loved it even a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, he's going to be here every month now. Just, yeah, there you go. Dan, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And coming up next on the Money Hour, too many self-employed individuals and small business owners are overpaying taxes. Jake Haynes of Action Tax Services LLC right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you a small business owner? Did you overpay the IRS last year? Don't think as a small business, you're stuck with big taxes. It's possible you're paying more than you have to. Call me, Jake Haynes, at Action Tax Team today and avoid overtaxation. I've helped small business owners save more than $3.6 million they otherwise would have paid simply by using little-known IRS strategies. Call 253-288-8829 for your personal consultation. ActionTaxTeam.com. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Money Hour with Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host Keelan Harvey on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. 
Welcome back to The Money. You're on 1150 AM KKNW. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're our local mortgage experts. We bring in studio each week the best of the best experts in all arenas uh, regarding your money. We're here to help you in today's economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's 1855 411150 or online at themoneyr.com and we'll connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Our next guest and our last guest, also first guest and first time in studio, is Jake Haynes of Action Tax Services LLC. Too many self employed individuals and small business owners are overpaying taxes. Jake, welcome for the first time in studio. Well, thank you. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. It's nice to uh, come in and uh, and share some of these highlights about. Uh, well, first about your book, Tina. Oh, I, I see thank you, you. You have a, a great book about uh, Journey with Me. Yeah. And it looks like it talks about uh, you know goal setting and uh, and planning your future. It does. It's a journey in life and how I got to my personal and professional core practices. Thank you for that uh, for that shout out, Jake. Very definitely. You <laughs> yeah. Know, I, I've in all my life I've been a, a big time goal setter and entrepreneur, and yeah. uh, this book I, I've got to have it. It will resonate. Oh uh, well, let me know what you think. Thank you so much, fellow right. author, and a little bit about uh, Jake as an entrepreneur. Jake has been coaching business owners for more than fourteen years in every facet of operating and growing their business. He has succeeded as well as failed in business. <laughs> Jake lived the first forty years of his life with epilepsy, enduring thousands of seizures, yet. Amid all of the inherent challenges, he reached great heights, including summiting the five highest peaks in Washington and building several successful businesses. Now cured of epilepsy, he continues to succeed by goal setting and achieving every day. As a CPA, business coach, and entrepreneur, he serves the needs of hundreds of business owners as his firm at Action Tax Services LLC in Auburn. Look at you, Jake. Way to go. Summiting all Woo-hoo. the highest peaks. That's, uh, that's quite the feat. Well, when I was uh, uh, 16 years old, I got to summit the Mount, the Mount Rainier as an award for becoming an Eagle Scout. Uh, my scoutmaster took me up there, and I had a massive seizure on the summit. Oh. Almost died. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was a sad experience. And so once I was cured of epilepsy, which is, you got to have me on the show again. i got to tell you the story. It's absolutely amazing. I'm sure that it is. Yeah, but I was, I was cured in a, in a miraculous way, and I knew exactly what I needed to do, and that was to go climb that mountain again. And we prepped, and we climbed uh, several mountains wow. around here and then did that summit. And and yeah, I've owned a, a lot of a lot of businesses, and uh, and just it's kind of unique. I'm I'm the CPA that's an entrepreneur, and most of them are bean counters, right? Yeah. But I'm the entrepreneur, and so it is so exciting to work with so many business owners um, all over the Northwest and uh, help them not only save tax dollars because you know I'm like I'm the evil guy who just can't stand the IRS, right? Yeah. And we're going to make sure that we don't pay any more than we have to, kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. I mean, we don't break the law, but we bend it, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. So anyway, you know, it's so much fun to do that and then to help uh, those business owners take their business to the next level. And uh, they, they read my book as part of our coaching and, and, uh, and then we go on and coach and we help them in every way to be the best business that they can, the number one business in their industry. Love that. So speaking of overpaying the IRS, why are small business owners overpaying the IRS? You know, most small business owners uh, don't get the advice that they need. They, uh, the number one thing that uh, a small business owner that is profitable should be doing is setting up an S corporation. Yeah. And they don't know about it. They don't do it. Uh, they pay self-employment tax, and sometimes they pay a lot of self-employment tax. Uh, you know, one of those categories that uh, has a lot of that happening is real estate agents. You know, they don't necessarily yeah. have a lot of expenses 
um, and they, you know, they might make uh, 40, 80, 120, 250,000, whatever, right? And they're just going along. They're busy as can be. And, uh, and finally, so many of them come in and sit down and talk to me, and they're looking at a whatever, a ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar tax bill, and it's so exciting to help them cut that in half. Yeah, I, I bet. What a, what a great service to be able to provide. So let's talk about what does it take to set up a corporation, Jake? So th- it's one thing to set up an LLC, a limited liability company. Mm-hmm. And I got a couple of those. Yes. And that's a state structure. The thing that you must do is you must set it up to be taxed at the federal level as an S corporation. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes the profit passive income, not earned income that is subject to self-employment tax. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that's the main thing you do. And you do that by working with both state and federal authorities to do it. But here's where it gets awesome. Okay. Your listeners right now are listening to this saying, oh, you know, I made a lot of money this last year and they're thinking they're going to come in and I'm going to say set up an S corporation. It's going to be effective as of the day they come in and visit me. Yeah. No, the reality is that w- they can set up their entity to be retroactively effective for a prior year. Really? Right. So they come in and they're like, last year I made $150,000 and, uh-huh. and, you know, and what do I do? I need write-offs, you know? And the first thing we're saying is, well, you need to be an S corporation for last year. Yeah. Now, interesting rule. The IRS recently said that you do not get the same authorization that you used to have to elect an entity retroactively. So what our firm has done is, is pre-created entities to help them. In other words, I have a shell company that I sell to you and I say, here's what you need to be taxed as an S corporation. And we just transfer ownership into them, their name and boom, they're an S corporation. You are a creative CPA. Yes. Love that. Look at you. Well, it's a lot of fun. You know, taxes aren't, aren't fun historically, right? I'm like, uh, well, anything's fun when you can help save money (laughs) and you know, you've got a passion (laughs) of what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. So what if you're already a, a corporation? Um, is there a possibility that you're overpaying still? Uh-huh. You know, the number one thing that uh, that shareholders in an S corporation are doing is they're taking a salary that is exorbitant. They are led to believe that the only money they can take out of a corporation is the salary that they receive. But that is, in fact, not the case because they can take shareholder distributions. The IRS says you are required to take a reasonable salary for your position. So question, what's reasonable? Yeah, who decides That's that? That's a gray area. That's right. <laughs> because if you make 100000 in profit, right, uh-huh. and you take a $100,000 salary, well, you just paid self-employment tax on all of your profit just yeah. like a sole proprietorship, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a $100,000 salary and you take no salary and pay no self-employment tax, hello, IRS, we're going to audit you, right? Yeah. So what's the balance? And the balance is real critical. And we look at that and determine what is the right salary to take. And the rest of the income is passive income, not subject to self-employment tax. And uh, people save thousands. Yeah. So, Jake, let's talk about investments and how investments can help in saving uh, business uh, tax dollars. Well, you know, at the end of the year, you make make an investment in assets um, and uh, also making sure that you take advantage of every write off that you can. Mm -hmm. Right. There's 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 certain things you can do at the end of the year to prepare and also something like a 401k, an IRA, a SEP IRA, a traditional IRA. Right. There, There are a lot of options to offset your taxable income, whether you're an individual or a business owner. 
Jake, um, let's talk a little bit about the coaching side of things. How else do uh, does Action Tax Services help with businesses bringing home more money? Well, you know, we, we have a coaching program that uh, we've used for the last uh, several years that uh, puts people through a, kind of a st- uh, the 12-step process. <laughs> and, uh, and we get them from start to finish. We determine these long-term milestones, goals, and this plan. And, and we put it together, and then we meet on a regular basis, generally once a month, and we, we start working on those goals. And it is, it, it, there is something to say about being held accountable to the goals that 100%. you want to achieve, right? Yeah. Every person should have a coach, right? Whether you're in business, whether you're in, in whatever pres- professional realm you're in, yeah. everyone should have a coach. And I've had a coach for over 20 years, and he holds me accountable, man. You know, I yeah. am always held to the fire. Uh, and, and so you want someone that holds you to the milestone. So coaching is really an individual thing, right? It's what mm-hmm. do you need in your business? And, and we get some things very systematized and general about business. And then we get very specific about what are we going to do to help you be the number one most successful business in your industry, if that's what you want. Yeah. It, in our book, the, the Seven Strategies of Highly Successful Business Owners, in my book, it gives all of those strategies to individuals. It gives ev- everything's there. They can read it and get everything they need. And, and what we do in coaching is we implement the strategy. So, Jake, let's talk a little bit about your book a little bit more. If your people are not in the area and they want to get the resources that you have to uh, share in your book, uh, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the the book, uh, in uh, in general, it is a, a book about uh, having a, a business coach. It is uh, We give over 350 ways to market your business uh, in the book. And uh, as I am a CPA, it has lots of tax strategies. Um, there's things about business leadership and uh, how to lead in today's business world. Uh, it's, a, it's a great resource. So if you want to become the number one leader in your industry, it gives the, the formula. Jake, let me ask you, so why aren't others telling business owners to follow some of these strategies and do the things that you're telling them to do? You know, there's, there's a, a, a lot of strategies, like, you know, the strategies that are in the book. Um, the, most of your CPAs, they're not, you know, they're not business coaches, and that's all right. Yeah. You know, if they, they do taxes, and, and they may do them wonderfully, right? But when it comes to uh, the strategies of, like, the, the S corporation, that is like the unanswered question of the decade. Why do people come into me and they were not told, or they were even told by their prior CPA or, or tax person, oh, you don't need the S corporation. That just blows my mind. Uh, I, I almost can't answer the question. <laughs> Why don't they, right? <laughs> so, Jake, I would love to have you come back in studio and just talk all on this question because um, uh, I think it would be a really quick, or a really great topic. But just briefly on a person being able to save money on a real estate investment like 10, uh, 1031 exchange, terrible trust, passive rental income. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we set them up We could have a show on each one of those individually. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, the 1031 is, is something we do frequently with, yeah. uh, you know, we work with uh, about uh, 500 real estate agents and we are constantly, you know, working through these 1031 exchanges. Great tool to use, you know, and the charitable trust, it's great for, especially if you're wanting to make charitable contributions, now you're doing it tax-free and getting the tax benefit, you know. Uh-huh. Um, um, passive rental activity, lots and lots of strategies you can use to create the right kind of tax uh, portfolio you want, or not tax portfolio, but retirement portfolio that you want. So uh, we'll have a Victoria reach out to you, our director of marketing, and get you scheduled for the for three shows for these individual topics, because I think that would be really great to just really focus and talk about those. That's oh. awesome, Jake. Sounds great. Yeah. I look forward to it. 
Well, Jake, uh, we're, we've got a time for a couple more questions, but we're running down. I wanted to make sure that people know the name of your book, and how can they get a copy? So the book is uh, The Seven Strategies of Highly Successful Business Owners. And, uh, you know, it's on Amazon, and we just get on. It's a second edition, um, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's plan- we are looking to have it be an Amazon number one bestseller. So it's just it's I'm exciting. sure it's heading there. Yes, so awesome. uh, we, we are actually, actually looking and planning for that. Um, if you would like the book, you can of course go on Amazon and get it. Uh, it's available as an ebook or as an audiobook or as a you know paper copy, uh-huh. whatever you'd like. Um, you can also text us at two five three two four zero four eight five two. That's two five three two four zero four eight five two, and just simply say book, and we will reply with the appropriate length for you to uh, get a copy of, our, of my book. Love that, Jake. Jake, thank you so much for coming in studio. Really excited to uh, have you back and dial in at a deeper level on some of these uh, topics. And it was great having you here. Yeah, thank you. And I look so forward to reading your book, Tina. Thank you so much. And to chat with any of the guests that we've had on the show today, please call 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. This is your host, Tina Mitchell, signing hey, up for the day. And your co-host. I jumped the gun there. A little, a little yeah, early Keelan Harvey, day. your co-host. Got that's it. awesome. <laughs> you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you same time, same place, right here on 1150 AM KKNW next weekend. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, NMLS 134871. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited.